Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today I am telling Montana about Audrey Marie Hilly. But first, Montana, what are we drinking today? I just did I did what you did on the last episode. And I forgot <laughs> no, I was trying to give you a little bit more time, but I was like, yeah, no. It's your turn. <laughs> uh, we're drinking the... Uh, Samantha is trying to straight up murder me. First Maybe. <laughs> like, I know this is kind of true crime, but uh, this is a... This drink has more alcohol. I swear to God, it has more alcohol in it than, like, a Long Island iced tea. Has to. Uh, probably about Has the same. To. I think it's about the same. So, proceed with caution. It is called... <laughs> The and I actually I named the episode probably a Black Widow episode <laughs> question mark. I would just give you a clue. I didn't want to give you any more information. <laughs> because the drink is called uh the Black Widow. And <laughs> hold on to your butts, friends, because <laughs> you're gonna get one point five ounces of spice rum, 0.5 ounces of tequila, which you know I don't drink tequila. But I had to bust open your bottle of tequila. You're welcome. Just don't take uh, it on. Save it for when I'm there in a couple There's weeks. more than a half a bottle left. <laughs> You're good. Uh, 0.5 ounces of Fireball and uh, 3 ounces of cherry apple juice. Which I could not find cherry apple juice. I just got cherry, black cherry juice. So I think it's just kind of like along the, along that theme. I think it was, yeah, I think that's what it was supposed to be. Like, I don't, the only thing I saw you that was like. You can get apple juice with cherries, I think. But yeah, cherry juice. Was, no, just yeah. Enough. Wasn't, do, I couldn't find, the only thing well, I found. You can also do, you can cherry. do cranberry juice too. Because it's just kind of that tart, you want that tartness to it. Yeah, yeah it was okay. Anyways, you're going to fill, uh, <laughs> fill your glass three-fourths of the way full with ice. In a shaker, you're going to add. Uh, some ice. You're going to add the rum, tequila, fireball, and shake well to combine. You're not going to do what I did, and when you opened it, spill half of it on the counter and have to remake it. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, you're going to pour the rest of that onto the ice and then top it off with your cherry apple juice. Um, I put a little bit more cherry apple juice in mine. I would recommend more. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's a lot, and it's strong. And I, here, let me, it's a, it's a Black Widow story. Cheers. Oh God. My, my Christ. You know, I have to work tomorrow, right? I have to edit this tonight too. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Just have one then. One and done. One and done. Oh Christ. The drink we had last week was really good. I actually Mm -hmm. had it a few more times after that. So yeah, it was a great one. Anyway, let's. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. I, you know I've been in a wild mood today, so this episode is going to be yes. so much fun. This is going <laughs> to be a wild mood type of episode. So, um, yet again, I'm doing another Black Widow story. I can't help it. These just fascinate me sometimes. And, man, they have some interesting twists and turns in, in the storylines. So, get ready. Just go ahead and buckle up. This is This might be a little bit of a roller coaster. I'm excited. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to lotion my legs while you do this. Okay. That's not distracting at all. Born June 4th, (laughs) 1939. 
19 and guys she's not kidding that's literally what she's doing right now <laughs> i have dry legs man okay fine you do you <laughs> Born June 4th, 1933, to Huey and Lucille Frazier in Blue Mountain, Alabama. She was raised by relatives as her mother could not afford to stay at home with Audrey. That being said, they spared no expense on Audrey, dressing her in fine clothing. Honestly, I'm sure it was better than they themselves wore. And apparently, they didn't punish her regardless of her behavior. People My parents do. <laughs> People can remember Marie. She went by her middle name. She preferred to go by her middle name. Frequently throwing temper tantrums when she didn't get her way. And obviously this did nothing to endear her to her extended family who was taking care of her and watching watching her while her parents were working. In fact, it seems that not many, if any, members of the family actually liked her at all. As she grew up, she became a beautiful young lady and had many privileges her parents had not had, namely, because I'm sure they wanted better for her, as a lot of parents do. God, it's it, like you're reading my history, my auto, my biography. I'm telling you, it's going to get scary in a minute. They wanted her to graduate high school and get a job as a secretary, which was quite a good job at the time for a young woman. That's like the height of, of what they could esteem to be. Because we're talking... 40s, let's see, 1933, so yeah, 40s, in the 40s. Blue Mountain didn't really have much to offer for a young woman with such dreams, so the Frasers moved to Anniston, Alabama. This movement that while Marie was considered well-to-do in Blue Mountain, this was not the case in Anniston. If Marie felt intimidated by her new surroundings and classmates, she didn't show it. Instead, she acted as if she belonged. Make it till you, what is it, fake it till you make it. This was probably easier to do um, as she was considered a beauty and was extremely neat in her like look. So it kind of went along with what everybody else was doing. Me too. That is not you at all. <laughs> me no. <laughs> uh, no, we, we're devi- deviating now. She I mean, I'm beautiful. Of- Don't get me wrong. Yes, absolutely. But neat, I would not ever describe you as neat. <laughs> she became somewhat popular in school especially i'm sure with the boys but that didn't matter she only had eyes for frank hilly he sounds hot (laughs) i don't know Uh, i guess you'd have to look up the picture frank came from a working class family of five it was said that what the family lacked in wealth they more than made up for in love and as such were a very close-knit family Frank met Marie when he was 16 and she was 12. By the time Frank graduated high school, he knew Marie was the one. Her parents did not feel the same way, though, it seems like, but they respected her wishes. Even they couldn't deny that he treated her well, even like a queen, which is just the same as they treated her. Oh my God, his ears. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> now I've got to post a picture on the episode post that I make. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I thought it's it was just looker, a one right? picture. It was. I thought it was just a one picture, but it's. I mean, he's handsome. Like, don't get me wrong. But like, if he turns too quickly to the side, he's gonna like knock somebody out with his fucking ears. Like. Holy shit. 
I feel like that was like the style or something back then because I feel like there's a lot of pictures. Like with people with big ears? I think back at that time period. Like because they cut it so close to the sides, I think. It just made yeah. it maybe stick out more, whereas people now can kind of hide it with the longer hair. Yeah, that's true. My ears stick out to you a little bit. Um, also, I think people used to, after that, people started pinning their ears back. Wasn't that like I, I have heard. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Thanks. But like, no, this dude's super handsome. I'm not like, I'm not. Obviously, I was surprised by his ears, and I apologize for that. But holy shit, I just wasn't expecting yeah. it. So. I'll, I'll post a picture so you can, <laughs> you can make your comments as you will. Later, Frank en- enlisted in the U.S. Navy and was stationed in Guam. While in the states on leave on May, uh, sometime in May 1951, Frank and Marie were wed just days before her 18th birthday. In 1950, yeah, obviously. In 1952, after Frank was finished with the Navy, Marie and Frank purchased a home in Anniston and began their life together. They welcomed a son into the world shortly after in 1952 and named him Michael. Eight years later, they had a daughter named Carol. And that's the end of the nice story. <laughs> Married Aww. life wasn't all it cracked up. It was cracked up to be, however. Frank had a well-paying job and Marie worked as a secretary, but it would seem that they were still unable to keep out of debt. As the debt continued to build, the pressure did no favors to the marriage. Add to that the responsibilities of raising children, and you can imagine that's a lot. To top it all off, Marie had no concept of spending within your means, let alone the idea of saving any money. Me too. We've heard this before, but let's keep going. This was frequently a cause of arguments between the two. Frank trying desperately to convince Marie to slow the spending and Marie refusing to do so. While Frank tried to keep the family from drowning, he started to realize that there was no way to stay afloat and that Marie was spending well over what they made combined. Where did that money come from? You may be wondering. Credit card. It seemed that Marie was doing a little sex work on the side with her bosses. (gasps) No. (laughs) With her bosses. Dude. There's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say there's anything wrong with with sex work. I'll I'll go ahead and say that. No. However, mixing it with other types of work, i.e. your bosses, that just gets messy. There is nothing. I have never had a boss that I have wanted to sleep with. Like (laughs) you could pay like a lot of I would I would pay somebody to never put that idea into my fucking head for any of my bosses. Like, well No. My one manager at Walgreens and God I hope she never listens (laughs) to this. But seriously, like there's nothing she stills upon this podcast. She's like Wait, I want oh, I remember her. <laughs> that was the girl with IBS. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. My life is a disaster. This is what we mean by messy. Um, messy. No. Uh, it sounds like um, you did another one that sounded just like this. It sounded a lot like this. I don't know. The maybe they- he was his body or yeah, his body was under the fish fish pond. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I didn't mean to snap. I'm going to have to edit that out. That's great. (laughs) Well, now they're just going to have to listen to the Fish Pond episode if they didn't before. And good luck figuring out what it is. So you just have to listen to them all. 
Yeah, that's true. This is a wild one. Um, I've already put lotion on and I've admitted that I had a attraction to a Walgreens manager. So, And, and the case is kind of crazy too. Um, that anyway. <laughs> As for the children, which you're probably wondering about, I know you're not actually Montana. While they had every need met and had a pretty lavish lifestyle, they had little to no parenting or attention from their mother. Surprise. Shocking. Did two jobs. Their grandmother, Carrie Hilly, did most of the parenting as they grew up, according to at least one source. It was Carrie Hilly, which would be Frank's mom. Um, another source kind of implied that Mary Marie's mom had more to do with it. So, in any case, the grandmother did more of the raising. I don't see that because Marie, like, she took up so much like space in their life. Could you imagine having to deal with our kids afterwards? No. I would leave the country. (laughs) There's not a lot of information about how her kids were, um, but I'll get to what little I found. Marie's parents moved in, actually moved in with them in 1962. Huey, her father, died from cancer in 1965, but Lucille continued living with them until she passed later on. Later, Marie asked that her sister-in-law move in as well, which was... uh, Ah, shoot. I forgot to put her name here. I think I I mentioned it later on. Um, But said sister-in-law started to witness evidence of an extramarital affair and told Frank. Wait, is it an extramarital affair or is it sex work? Uh, I think there was a little bit of both going on. Uh Uh-oh. Girlfriend. There's a a lot messy, let me tell you. It was also reported in several sources that Carol and Marie actually butted heads. Carol is her daughter. At first, it was because Carol was tomboyish growing up and refused to wear any of the dresses that Marie would buy for her, and she didn't value spending time on her looks. Later, That's actually me. (laughs) Yeah. Later, (laughs) when Carol seemed to be more interested in girls than boys, Marie and Carol had arguments regularly. By 1973, Marie started to suspect Carol was a lesbian and was prone to violent outbursts towards Carol's female friends. Uh Uh-oh. Because obviously Marie is not about that lifestyle yeah as she would put it oops at some point when mike who was the michael the older the boy was 18 he remembers his dad his sister and he starting to feel ill it was right around the time that some insurance policies were taken out on two children and frank had gotten one through his employer just can you be more uh, like the insurance like i just don't can you be more honest Can you be more obvious? Like you, if people, especially back then, Mm -hmm. if people just died, even without the insurance policies, you're already up a peg. Less people to feed. You can put them in a pine box, bury them in your backyard. You're done. Nowadays, you got to spend like 20 grand to bury somebody. At least. I don't really know how much it costs. Please just put me. I imagine it's at least that. Put me on a spigot thing and just roast me over a fire until I'm charred and then drop me down into it. Don't even pay somebody to burn my body. Just do it yourself. No, thanks. Um, we're not, I'm not even going to talk about the visual that you just brought up. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I told you I'm in a wild mood today. You are. Doctors seemed unable to accurately diagnose what was causing the illness in the three, despite narrowing down the issues to be primarily gastrointestinal. Mm. Uh, when, when Mike left home to attend college, his symptoms 
went away. But Frank got worse. At the same time, the marriage was getting worse, and it was believed around this time Frank had actually discovered where the extra money was coming from that his wife seemed to have to spend. Simultaneously, creditors, mostly due to Marie's spending accounts, were beating down the door, so to speak, and Frank was really beginning to feel the news tighten, quote-unquote. Frank, I mean, honestly, I feel like his symptoms may have been getting worse because stress can cause a lot of problems with your like your digestive tract in general. So if on top of that, say somebody's poisoning you in some way, that's only going to make it worse because you're already naturally having issues on top of things being added to it. So I feel like that's was part of it too. It's just the freaking stress of everything going on. Yeah. I can't imagine like when I have a meeting the next day in the afternoon, like 24 hours <laughs> away, I already have an upset stomach thinking about it. Like, yeah, same. <laughs> Honestly, same. <laughs> I don't even want to eat, so I'm, I'm impressed if he was able to eat at all. Yeah, Frank no was kidding. constantly seeing his doctor at this point, as the illness was not seeing any improvement, despite the powerful drugs that the doctor kept prescribing to try to treat it. During the whole time, Marie never left his side, carefully preparing his meals and making sure he ate what he could. On May 25th, 1975, Frank was found walking around his front yard, obviously confused, around midnight. He was immediately rushed to the hospital where he showed symptoms of paranoia and jaundice. But unfortunately, he passed away within hours of being admitted. The cause of death was deemed infectious hepatitis after an autopsy, which Mm -hmm. Marie provided permission for. The autopsy showed signs of hepatitis, swelling of the kidneys and lungs, bilateral pneumonia, and inflammation of the stomach. No tests for poisons were performed as the symptoms he had complained about prior to his death and what seemed to be shown in the autopsy all pointed to the same condition. But we're talking like late 60s. Wait, no, this would have been 70s at this point, right? 1975. So. You would think they would test for that. Well, I mean, maybe it just wasn't an automatic thing. I mean, again, these... These people have lived here their entire lives pretty much. So they're probably not really that suspicious. Well, and I, I can't mean, imagine this kind of stuff happens super frequently. Yeah. At least well, that was caught. So as you might imagine, very quickly after his death, Marie collected approximately $30,000 in life insurance money. What's it in today's money? Why do you do that to me? I didn't think <laughs> to do it this time. All right, pause. You look it up. 30000 all right, I looked it up. It is two hundred or two hundred and twenty nine thousand four hundred and eighty two dollars. Not enough. That's I mean, sorry. I wouldn't. I wouldn't kill somebody for that. I might like like remove. It would definitely. Limbs. It would definitely help towards burial costs, which I don't know. That's what life insurance is for. In case anybody is new to this idea life insurance is life insurance because you can immediately get it as a beneficiary and the whole point of it is for it to go towards expenses that need to be covered immediately like burial costs just or saying if you have a mortgage that you can't afford all exactly on because it takes a while for those of you that don't understand this or have never come across this just so you know there's a reason why life insurance is important because it does pay much quicker than the rest of the accounts when a person passes away because if you have to go through bank accounts unless you're already on the account and can quickly get it transferred into your name to get it moved into your name is weeks 
of processing with different financial institutions. But life insurance is relatively quick. It's usually about a one to two week process, two weeks tops, assuming everything goes through without a problem. And the death is deemed an accident, obviously, or natural. So that's why life insurance is important. And that's why it's important for you to have life insurance, because it does make it easier on those that are left behind and taking care of your last requests. Just saying. I mean, that's what it's for, not for killing off people and getting some easy cash, quote unquote. Not at all. Um, This drink is kind of growing on me. So, (laughs) yeah, that's what happens when it's strong. It gets better. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, All right. Despite the fact that she now needed to support herself and her daughter on her pay alone, because remember, Mike's gone to college, that money was quickly spent reportedly on refurnishing, refurnishing the house, a new car, new clothing and new jewelry for her and Carol. She also purchased gifts for Carol and her mother and and furniture for Mike, who had recently married. Wait, I thought she didn't like all the money's gone. I thought she didn't like Carol. She doesn't. But, you know, she got a she got an image to portray. Well, good for I her. I think it was very much about the image. I mean, think about the things that she bought. It was all about the image. Well, it sounds like an impulse. Even once. Yeah, that too. I think that was a lot of it. Even once the money was gone, she couldn't stop or even slow her spending. As her debts began to pile up, Mike began receiving calls from creditors asking for payment. Apparently, Marie had told them that Mike would pay her debts. Girl. Nice. In 1976, Mike and his wife, Terry, moved in with Marie to help care for Marie's mother, who had become ill at this point because she was still living in the house. While they were living there, Terry was admitted several times to the hospital and had more than one miscarriage. Mike and Terry prepared to move out and even had an apartment. But the night before they were planning to move, Marie's house caught on fire and everyone was forced to move into Mike and Terry's apartment. Oh, no. Okay. So Mike and Terry, I'm sorry. Refresh my brain. Um, Mike is her older son. Okay. All right. He's the the older of the two. Right. And then Terry's his wife. He had left to go to college and then got married and then moved back in to help with the care of Marie's mother. As you do. Uh, I would not. Sorry. Um, Apparently, once the repairs to Marie's home were finished, there was a fire in the apartment next to Mike and Terry's that forced them to move back into Marie's newly repaired house. What the fuck? Like, can you make it any more obvious? Right? That's what I'm thinking the whole time I'm researching this. How are you? What? Nobody's asking any questions and and saying, hey, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. This is weird. No. How are you terrified? Fires are following you. People are getting sick around you. When we leave, we feel better. Hmm. Yeah. How are you not Terry in that situation? Outside of it, you came from outside the family and oh, you're no. not. I bet Terry like, was saying all kinds of stuff and Mike was just like, Oh, that's my mom. Like, your mama is setting our <laughs> shit on fire. <laughs> we all feel you like we don't have to go, but I'm going to. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> As expected, once Mike and Terry were finally able to move out on their own, all the symptoms they had been dealing with disappeared mysteriously. That's not mysterious. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. (laughs) There's definitely a correlation here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Possibly causation. In 1977, Lucille died. That's her mother. At this point, Marie's spending was truly getting out of hand. And she, quote, 
also began reporting small fires that kept occurring in her home, gas leaks, and harassing phone calls, saying she needed to get away from the person or persons doing these things to her. Marie took Carol and moved in with Mike and Terry at their home in Palm Pompano Beach, Florida. So she still managed to move in back in with them. They let her move back in with them. They moved out of state. They moved out of state to get away from her and she still followed them. Her spending continued at a dangerous pace and she even ran up $600 worth of debt on Mike's visa, promised to, promising to reimburse him later. Man, this dude is... With this is job? what we mean when people tell you that family members are toxic and that they don't want to have anything to do with them. This is an example. Don't tell them family is family. This is toxic. He should have said bye-bye and never let her come back because yes. this is nothing but dangerous. But in his defense, he might have been looking out for Carol. Like, quite frankly. I think that's, I honestly, I think that's the only reason why he did any of this. Yeah. But at the same time, there's only so much you can do. Obviously, yeah. she never reimbursed him. Claiming to be homesick, Marie and Carol returned to Aniston, probably because, like, Mike and Terry were constantly getting on her, like, stop spending money. And they moved in with Frank's sister. And then they moved in with his mother. Unbeknownst to anyone, Marie had been purchasing insurance policies for fire, cancer, and life, the latter covering not only herself, but her children as well. And this was from the crimewire.com. How does she have money to buy insurance? Like, oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> my God. Unsurprising to anyone at this point, while Marie and Carol lived with Carrie Hilly, she dealt with stomach cramps along with nausea and vomiting. In addition, there were occurrences of fires, harassing calls, and vandalism. What if she just has like a ghost? Only three to four, and I say that because there were differing accounts. Wouldn't that suck? It's just been following her and causing all kinds of havoc to everybody around her, hoping she's going to get caught. I don't know. That would suck. It's very unfortunate. Maybe maybe that sh- that should be her defense. Only three to four, again, differing accounts. Years after Frank died, Carol began feeling ill with similar symptoms to her father. Of course, no one knew that Marie had taken a life insurance policy out on Carol at that time. It was to the tune of 25000 with an accidental rider for 25000 taking effect later, which was around August of this this time period. Around the same time, Mike came back home to confront his mother about her spending, probably because creditors were still calling him and asking him for money. Um, And I'm sure to um, also talked about the fact that he wasn't going to cover said spending anymore. The next morning, Marie cooked breakfast for the family. And shortly after, Mike began feeling ill again. (laughs) At this point, at best, I'd be one. I'd be worried about food poisoning. Like your food is just so bad, it's making me ill. If if you're not going to assume poisoning, you're going to assume that her cooking is just that bad and not eat it anymore. Uh, yeah. Well, and not bro, get some McDonald's. Like, what are you even doing? When you prefer McDonald's to a home cooked meal at your mom's, there's a problem. Yeah, true that. Jesus Christ. Anyway, he returned to Florida later and quickly recovered. But his sister's condition only deteriorated, and soon she was admitted to the hospital. Once there, it was revealed she had become paralyzed from the waist down. Somehow, Marie was able to inject something in Carol's hip, claiming it would make her feel better. But it only worsened her condition. 
Again, the doctors could not pinpoint what exactly seemed to be the issue, but worried it might be psychosomatic. While undergoing testing by Caraway Methodist Hospital, interesting that that got pointed, that got brought up. Since mm. That's all being torn down, sad face. Marie was able to give Carol two more injections while in the hospital. Marie, of course, had warned Carol not to tell anyone about the shots. Marie had claimed to Carol that the shots had been given to her by a friend who was a nurse. No, nay, nay. No, no. Carol, girlfriend. Do not take any kind. It's explicitly stated. Do not take any medication that is not specifically given to you by a nurse while you're at the hospital. Or a doctor. Nurse or doctor. Prescribed by your physician. No. Nay, nay. According to murderpedia.org, at this point, the doctors decided she was suffering from malnutrition and vitamin deficiencies and also suspected heavy metal poisoning to blame for some of the symptoms. That afternoon, she was released, only to be admitted into the the University of Alabama Hospital in Birmingham, UAB, the next day. Almost the same... Almost at the same time, which was around September 20th, 1979, Marie was arrested on the charge of writing bad checks. One's written to the insurance company that was insuring Carol's life, which caused the policy to lapse. Oops. So that's your answer. Well, she didn't have the money. She was Carol, writing bad checks. I don't know how she thought Carol they were going to catch that. But. Yeah. This gave Mike and Frank's sister, Frida, that was the name. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. Frida, the opportunity that they were looking for. They had been suspicious of Marie for some time, but they hadn't had any proof to bring to the authorities, so they couldn't really say anything. They went to the hospital as soon as possible, because remember, Marie's arrested, so she's not with Carol right now, and Carol's in a protected place. She's in the hospital. So they went to the hospital as soon as possible, telling the hospital about their suspicions regarding Marie's care of Carol. Quickly, the university hospital investigated on their suspicion of heavy metal poisoning, noting that Carol's hands and feet were numb and she had nerve palsy causing foot foot drop, and she had lost most of her deep tendon reflexes. Lead poisoning? No. When the hospital found striped fingernails on Carol, known as Aldrich Mies lines, a telltale sign of arsenic poisoning, they immediately oh. informed the authorities who put in the order to exhume Frank's body because obviously um, her son and sister-in-law had also said, we think he, this might've been a, the cause of his death. It actually was said in another article that Mike had suspected it, but again, they didn't have enough He actually went to the authorities, but they said, unless you have something other than a suspicion, we're not going to exhume his body. This was enough to get them to do that. Wait, I thought the family can request. No, they. No, because the state pays to exhume a body. You have to have something other than just suspicion. Yeah. Okay. Again, they found the striped fingernails. And when they tested for poisoning on Carol's hair on October 3rd, 1979, quote, by the Alabama Department of Forensic Science Sciences revealed arsenic levels ranging from over 100 times the normal level close to the scalp to zero times the normal level at the end of the hair shaft. This indicated that Carol had been given increasingly larger doses of arsenic over a period of four to eight months. That same day... Frank Hilly's body was exhumed for testing. 
the analysis revealed abnormally high levels of arsenic ranging from 10 times the normal level in hair samples to 100 times the normal level in toenail samples, which, ugh, ugh, toenail. Ew. As a result of these tests, Dr. Joseph Embry of the Alabama Department of Forensic Science, Sciences concluded that the cause of death was acute arsenic poisoning and that Frank Hilly suffered from chronic arsenic poisoning meaning that he had been given arsenic for months prior to his death. And that was from Murderpedia. Um, gross. On October 9th, 1979, I wrote 1279. Oh my goodness. My fingers were messed with me. 1979, we didn't go back in time. Marie was arrested for attempted murder of her daughter, but she was still incarcerated for the bad checks charge at that time. The Aniston police actually found a vial in her purse and upon testing the contents, found the presence of arsenic. Two weeks later, Frank's sister found a jar of Cowley's new improved rat and mouse poisoning. I'm assuming it was in their house, which contains between 1.4 and 1.5% arsenic. So just pouring that in. And isn't, isn't arsenic like, doesn't it taste sweet? That sounds right. It, so it's supposed to be relatively easy to, to hide depending on what yeah. you have it in. Because remember, what was it? There was actually, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Because I don't know if you remember the Giggling Granny episode. But remember, she would put it in the uh, the cakes that she made for her husbands. And that Vaguely, was one thing that yeah. was common with each of them. So hiding it in like a baked good makes sense if it tastes more sweet. That's so weird that you can put it in a baked good and it doesn't like cook off. Yeah, I don't really know how it works. There's also different types of arsenic that will affect you differently too. Yeah, so. I don't I don't know anything about like poisoning people now. If you want never mind, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's not get it. I'm not gonna implicate was- myself. <laughs> Marie was bailed out by relatives shortly after her arrest on November 9th, 1979. She registered at a local hospital or local hospital, local hotel under the alias Emily Stevens. I mean, she needs Some- to go to a hospital. It's very true. Sometime between the 9th and the 18th of November, she just disappeared. A note was found stating that she might have been kidnapped and a missing persons report was filed with Marie listed as a fugitive. She's so extra. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like all She's over the so place. so extra. She's like, you know what? I've been murdering people. I've been setting fires. I've been talking about harassing phone calls. I'm going to disappear, but I'm going to make everybody feel sorry for me by telling them <laughs> I was kidnapped nobody's gonna suspect i'm lying nobody's gonna know like nobody's gonna suspect i've never <laughs> lied a day in my life like bitch what how pretty am i <laughs> jesus christ you're very pretty but you apparently share a brain cell with somebody <laughs> else and they had it that day jesus christ lady uh that's something else All right, so on November 19th, her aunt's home was broken into and a car, some woman's clothing, and an overnight bag were just missing. A note was found stating, do not call the police. We will burn you out if you do. We found what we wanted and we will not bother you again. I wonder who it could be. This is sounding kind of familiar. 
Uh, maybe. I mean, it wasn't an. I mean, it was it was pretty famous. I think at the time. I don't know. I had never heard of it until I started looking it up. Like just simply that part right there. But there's been so many people. Maybe I maybe I'm getting like confused with the thing about Pam, and I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. Yeah, like what? what she's just so like I. It's I like how she's just leaving notes in each place. Yeah, it's bothering Well, she was kidnapped. She might have been kidnapped. But also, oh, this other, completely unrelated, we just stole these specific items from your house. Don't call the police. We got what we needed. We won't be back. Uh, Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) I just got a bunch of clothes that would fit me. Um, (laughs) And a car. And an overnight bag. Super chill. Um, but totally kidnapped. Um, don't yeah. call the police. We'll leave you alone. She needed clothes. The kidnapper, she told the kidnappers where her aunt was. She won't mind. Just put a note telling her not to call the police and you won't be back. She'll never call them. You'll and be I, fine. I don't know about you, but and especially like somebody like her who has such like high standards and things like that. But there is nothing. And look, Andy, if you listen to this podcast, Oh no! <laughs> I love you to death, but there's nothing inside of me, like that would go and steal your clothes. Like no. it's just not. It wouldn't. I couldn't. No. No thanks. No, I'm not going to steal your clothes. You know what? Our 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 style preferences are not the same. They're just so different. And no, I wouldn't steal clothes from you, but then they wouldn't fit. I, 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 the pants would go up to my calves. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but I do steal your clothes all the time. <laughs> it's fair. Doesn't work the other way. Um, so, well, you can roll your pants up. It's fine. Mm-hmm. On January 11th, 1980, an arrest warrant was issued for Marie, charging her with Frank's murder. The authorities then realized that within two years, both her mother and her mother in law had died of circumstances very similar to Frank's, meaning they now suspected her of poisoning. Four people total. Which is it's shocking to me that not everybody correlated that in the beginning. Like, right? When they realized that Frank had been killed by arsenic poisoning, that his sister, Mike's sister, um, what was her name? Carol. Carol was being poisoned by arsenic poisoning. So and he, he had to have told them that he was sick anytime he was there. Yeah. And, and then Terry had had miscarriages and gone to the hospital while they were there. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like blame the miscarriages on like being poisoned, but okay. There, okay. There's reason to believe that that very much had a lot to do with it. But like, how do you not sit back and go look at every death that has happened around your family and go, Oh no. Oh no. Right. I, my dog wants in the room right now, so I'm going to stand up and go get him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, when the bodies were tested, because they did exhume those bodies as well, there were significant traces of arsenic, but not fatal levels when they died. They even had autopsies performed on Marie's maternal and, pater- and paternal grandmothers, but both were determined to have passed due to cancer and not poisoning. So, I mean, they went really far up there. Um, the police and FBI proceeded with a massive manhunt, but it would take over three years for her to be found. Girl, what? She's not that smart. What? She's really not. <laughs> and you're about to find out exactly why she's the really simple not. Fact she, probably could have, she probably could have made it longer, 
but because she's not smart, it was only three years. Let's put it that way. The simple fact that the police is not... I'm and I like I'm not. I think they were just sitting and wait to see if anybody else. Like, did a bunch of other people die from arsenic poisoning? We'll just sit around and wait for that to happen. Well, and I'm like, I'm surprised that nobody else technically died from arsenic poisoning. So I don't fully trust that they didn't. Well, based on the tests, they said that it didn't seem like lethal levels. But, it but can I don't also, think that necessarily means that they didn't die from that. It could have made other conditions worse. Yeah, it's like COVID. It can exasperate. Listen, wear your fucking mask out. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we have to say this. Don't go out when you're sick. Don't Here's go out. Yeah, I don't know why you have to don't say this. Don't your germs. Later. I don't want to be around you anyway. I sure as hell don't want to be around you when you're sick. Yeah, but the whole my whole thing is like it can exasperate other things. But like if they have been, ba- I don't. I don't remember when like embalming got like super popular. I know that some people don't do embalming and so it can perpetuate like the decomposition yeah, of like chemicals. So if they had been like, if they had like a different death service than like an embalming one or yeah. I don't really, I'm not, I'm not that kind of scientist. Um, <laughs> But my assumption is that it could, evaporate or what again i'm not Change a scientist the composition yeah. of it yeah of it and well system. that's why they're testing the hair and the nails because it's no longer growing so if they test the hair and the nails the they would not be affected by any embalming at that point oh, because it wouldn't go into that so they're testing the hair and the nails to try to see what the levels are but that's not always the best indication either but i think that's kind of all they had to go on yeah. but again you know they could have very easily died from cancer is it possible they could have lived with said cancer for longer without arsenic poisoning and exacerbating the issue? Absolutely. I can only imagine what kind of problems that would cause. Yeah. True. So that's my thing. Like they were also older because we're talking about her mother and his mother. So they were older as it was. So it could have just hastened their deaths. Um, so it didn't have to be at lethal levels for them because they were already older and probably had their own issues at that time. They couldn't have been like... What, that doesn't necessarily it? prove anything. The fact that there's arsenic levels above a level that's normal, where, what, they were taking arsenic on the side voluntarily? Not likely. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. No. They just can't prove it, so they can't say that it's definitive but come on really uh, so yeah she had started to poison them and it probably like lowered their yeah lowered their immune system whatever if there's a doctor out there maybe she gave them like food poisoning on top of arsenic poisoning and that's what killed them uh, it was probably. just that one notch above i mean every time i've had well i've only had food poisoning once knock on wood and that time I thought I was going to die. I was also high off my ass. <laughs> Listen, if you, be careful when you take three gummies because you think that one of them has not kicked in. And so you take two don't, more. I, I'm um, going to guess don't do that. Don't eat at certain places that might not be safe for you. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. Just cook at home. Uh, have somebody else cook at home or cook before. Yeah. Said consumption. That's it. That's it. So uh, anyway, her first stop was Florida where she met John Hammond, I think, who was recently divorced. At the time, she was going by the name Lindsay Robbie Hannon. 
For some reason, when you said John, I wanted to say Jingleheimer Smith. <laughs> That's not even close. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what is happening? Uh, <laughs> it's just a big, so chaotic today. <laughs> Somebody, was it uh, John? Oh shit! I don't remember. It was a uh, an English explorer's name. It's not John Smith. It was a uh, John. <laughs> John's. It was John something else. And I got into a meeting. They and the people in the meeting today were like, "Oh, uh, we'll just ask John White." They're like, "We'll ask John White to do it." And I was like, "I thought he died like two hundred years ago." <laughs> Everybody was like, "What?" I go, "Oh, never mind." John and White are both very common names. You were in my head. <laughs> you were in my head. <laughs> when I went through that process, it was like, he was an English explorer. Pretty sure he died in Ireland. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's been really I just, hard. I just wanted to bring everybody's <laughs> attention to me. Proceed. Proceed. What were you talking about? <laughs> her backstory this time was that she was a widow and her two children had died in a school bus accident. And that she was about to inherit a large estate in Texas. Well, she's one third, right? One third. After a time, she revealed that she was diagnosed with advanced brain cancer and a rare disease that caused her body to produce too many red blood cells. One six, right? And I looked it up because I thought you might ask if that's a real thing. Number one. And number two, what it really entails. It is an actual real disorder. It's called poly... Sithymia vera. It's a type of blood cancer, actually. It causes your bone marrow to make too many red blood cells, which causes your cells to thicken your blood, slowing its flow, and it can cause serious problems such as blood clots. Girl went to the library. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, or maybe she just got lucky and guessed that it was probably a real thing. I don't know. After living together for over a year, she married him in May of 1981 and changed her last name again. She worked at that time as a secretary once again. The couple then moved to New Hampshire at some point. And uh, one source I read said that his he had a brother in New Hampshire, so they moved to be closer to his brother who had some health issues. Would you ever well, move to New Hampshire? No. Yeah. Nope. Same. There's nothing inside of my, like I from Florida to New Hampshire. Why? Yeah, no. And people do the opposite. They go from New Hampshire to Florida to avoid that. Yeah. Why would you do that to yourself? I'm just. I'm like, oh, sorry for anybody who's in New Hampshire. By the way, you're. We don't power we don't. to you. I'm impressed, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Sam, thankfully, we don't have any listeners from New Hampshire. Okay, good. from what I can tell, I don't know. It's so small on the map. I can't tell. If it it's there. Sorry. <laughs> what is true? While they were together, she frequently talked about her twin named Terry, who lived in Texas. Girlfriend, what? <laughs> telling you, I told you this is, no. is going like, <laughs> What is she doing? Oh, wait, it gets better. In September of 1982, she claimed her cancer had gotten worse, and she had to go to Texas for treatment. Texas no, what actually, Texas actually has a rather large treatment center, MC Anderson's Anne C. Brooks Brain and Spine Center for brain cancer. I have heard shortly, shortly after, John got a call from Terry informing him that Robbie had died while staying in Texas. 
John immediately offered to fly to Texas to assist in the burial arrangements, but Terry insisted that Robbie's last wish was for her body to be studied and that she had already sent Robbie's remains to the university and no trip to Texas was necessary. <laughs> and she just put the I'm reading this case and like the further I'm getting into this, I'm like, what? Wait, no. What? I Holy cow. What? Really? I don't remember where I heard this from. I think it might have <laughs> been on Small Town Murder. Uh, oh, I don't know. It wasn't covered by any major podcast I checked. Because well, like any of the right. big, like yeah. big timers that I normally listen to. But like, I remember it because I remember being like, Every time, so well, they didn't go into like the previous details like you did as much. But when it got to that part where we're about to be, at, I was just like, <laughs> "Girl, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this girl likes some drama. Let's put it this way: this is, this is days of our lives. She must have been watching this growing up. No, it was really me." <laughs> I'm telling you, this is days of our life shit right here. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So Terry kept in touch with John and the two got to know each other better by phone until one day John suggested they meet in person. By this time, Marie had lost weight and dyed her hair blonde to become Terry. Terry agreed to the meeting and they soon began dating. Suspicions began to rise when Terry took a secretary job at the same place Robbie had worked. Like, why, dude? Why? Honey. You could have worked anywhere else, but okay, sure. Let's let's go. You already know how to do the job, so it's easy, I guess. But how are you going to pretend you don't know how to do the job? That's just too complicated. Anyway, the co-workers who had worked with Robbie and now Terry knew something was wrong and quickly saw through the con. Duh. They spend all day with you. Every day. John's friends and... No. And this is what I don't understand. Like, I'm a twin. I'm not like a uh, an identical twin. But growing up, my sister and I looked a lot alike. Yeah, but you have different hair colors. Different hair colors. You can... Are your eye colors different? Yeah, our eye colors are different. My eyes are um, bigger, I think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And she has like a a little bit of a a lot of similar similarities to your look for sure. Yeah. Because my nephew is always like freaked out when we're together. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, he's always afraid. And I'm sorry, Mackenzie, if if he's listening, I'm sorry, Jax. Because he he's always afraid he's going to call me mom. Uh, whatever. Oh. <laughs> Which well, I mean, my nephew, my nephew uh, Franklin, did a couple of times when yeah. I used to babysit him. Well, so you I and your sister look a lot like. Yeah. Well, but, we did. Less as we've grown older, but we went to school with wow. two other sets of twins, and they were both boys, and they were identical. But I could tell them apart. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can tell people apart if you see me. I have a different hair color, and like. I don't know. I got like different colored contacts. You're still gonna tell that it, it's me. You're still yeah, gonna, I'm not gonna think it's me. I'm not gonna think you're Mackenzie. Yeah. So I don't understand how, like, especially somebody who's been sleeping with someone for a year at least, is like, you know what? This is a different person. The maybe fuck? he was like that. Maybe that's how it works with twins. <laughs> it's a guy. 
let's be honest. It's well, a guy. Yeah. He's getting sex. What does he care? He, he's not going to ask questions. He's the one she was sharing that brain cell with. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have it during that. I'm time. sorry. I'm sorry, John. I know this had to have been hard on you. So oh, we'll, we'll move on. Anyways. John's friends and family were also on guard, worried about Terry's inability to produce a death certificate for Robbie, warning him that he had fallen for a con woman. They eventually got law enforcement involved, and when their research failed to produce not only or their research failed to produce not only an obituary or a death certificate for Robbie, but the university Terry claimed she sent the body to, Texas Medical Research, didn't even exist. Girl, you do all that research and you can't even check to see if it's an actual research facility? Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, body, body. I mean, that would have eventually been caught, but when they can't even look it up in the yellow pages, it's going to kind of key them in that you lied about something here. Well, and it's like she moved on once. What? How are you not like seeing the signs on the wall and not being like, you know what? It's time for me to get a new boo. Maybe. Let me go back to know. my original twin state. I think she liked the drama, to be perfectly honest. I think she did, That's too. the kind of vibe I got. So, needless to say, when Terry, Terry was arrested, she was consequently identified as Audrey Marie Hilling, wanted for writing bad checks, attempted murder of her daughter, and the murder of her previous husband. I love how they lead with, like, the least innocuous thing. Yeah, that well, list. it's progressively getting worse. <laughs> in January 1983, well, I want to know how she got a job with this fake name. Like, did she not produce any social security number? And if she did, was it just a random one that she just wrote out? Like, I know it was different back then, but holy cow, this is the 80s. Well, Sam, you have to remember, like, they didn't ask for social security numbers back then. People didn't start getting credit scores until I think it was the 90s. Oh. So there was no reason to track people's like. How did she get fake IDs? What did she do? Just draw them up on poster board and cut it out? Like. Well, I mean. She doesn't seem the smartest person. She probably just went to the DMV and said, hey, I lost my ID. Here's my name and my date of birth. Can you draw me up one? And they just made one and gave it to her. Samantha, she poured a bottle of bleach on her head and said that she was the twin (laughs) of her dead self. Like. I just feel like. I know in the 80s. The 80s weren't that long ago. I guess they were long ago. Shut up. But it's like, holy cow. Did they not have any kind of way of checking anything people just did whatever they wanted to and they're this is why it is so hard for you to get even a checking account in your name nowadays in case you were wondering because <laughs> this kind of yeah. stuff is happening well no it, people didn't have access to the internet like we all know so much more now because anytime we hear anything and we feel a little bit we like we might believe it but we feel a little ounce of like mm, something about this doesn't sound right. And then you Google it and you're like, holy fuck. Wrong. It's a pyramid scheme <laughs> that leads to a cult that is sacrificing goats oh, to we babies. We need to do an episode on that. We need to each pick a cult. Wait, sacrificing goats to babies? No. We, no. I was making that up. Like, but I mean, we I'm down to make a cult, a cult do that like for that. A joint episode. What is wrong with you? In January 1983, Marie was arrested and returned to Alabama. Her defense ugh, uh, consisted of distorting the actions Marie took by focusing on Carol's sexuality, alleged drug use, and su- suicide attempts. Well, wh- I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. That's her defense. Let, let's not focus on what I did. 
let's let's focus on what caused it, which is all these issues that I probably like the sexuality is not an issue. The alleged drug use and suicide attempts were probably caused by her to her daughter to cause her to get to that point. Let's be honest. It's but a, all right. She's let's one, focus on that. This is like, oh my God, <sighs> fucking textbook. Narcissist, sociopath, oh, cannot take responsibility for anything. No. Like, fuck this bitch. Seriously? Oh my God. I just want to <sighs> kick her right in the taint. Her, like, right. Daughter. Right like, in the place that's going to hurt the most, just with steel-toed pointy boots, just mm, get it right up in there. Like, just, fuck oh, you. I just can't imagine that. Like, not only did you poison her and try to kill her, you po- and you paralyzed her at some point. Now you're going to drag her through the mud for your own defense on killing her father and attempting to kill her? Oh, really? and then not only that, you abandoned her. Yeah, you also abandoned her. You ran to save your own life. Yeah, everything has been about her fucking sociopath. I swear to God, I'm, all of them are to some extent. I mean, think about it. I'm being triggered right now. We need to move <laughs> on. Thankfully, honestly, because let's face it, that defense was just gross. Um, the jury was not swayed. How about that? And after only about three hours of deliberation, returned with a verdict of guilty on both counts. Did they all come out with their middle fingers up? <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think so. Like you. She was sentenced to life in prison for Frank's murder and an additional 20 years for Carol's poisoning or attempted murder. She was sent to Tutwiler State Women's Prison in Wetumpka, Alabama. Oh. Even though they were warned of Marie having escape plans, she was still classified as a medium security inmate, meaning she had occasional furlough. I'm not cutting my dog shaking out of the background, Fine. so you're all enjoying that. But she's like, already run, she's already run once, and it took you three years to find her, and it was only because of her own stupidity that, that you found her, and then you put her medium security. Really? Well, Samantha, let's think of the times again. First off, she's a white she's lady, a and she's, a, she's a delicate woman who is beautiful, and you know she's not going to do anything, just like Ted Bundy was fine to go into a library by himself because he was a nice looking. I don't think Ted Buddy was a nice looking guy. No. Uh, anyone who says he is, is fucking weird. I, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry yeah. for you. He's honestly. ew. But like, he was nice. He was well educated. Read the ego on his face, and it is just so unattractive. So like, it was <laughs> fine. It. it was Samantha. It was fine. They're harmless. Yeah, she only killed a person, probably two more, and almost killed her daughter. Oh, and caused, she's fine. probably caused a bunch of miscarriages. But sure, sure, she's fine. She's fine. And February nineteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, on one of those outings, she just never returned. Apparently, she was staying with John. Seriously, I mean, he's still around. <laughs> And they even let her be around him. That's the other thing. But okay. At a hotel in Aniston, when she stepped out to visit her parents' graves, and later John found a note saying she was leaving for good and she believed it was best for everyone. Insert eye roll. At the end, she included info that she was fleeing with another man named Walter to Canada. Days of our lives. Oh my God. <laughs> Who the fuck is Walter? First off, Walter. Oh. 
fucking run away. No, actually, first off, she was convicted. How did she get out to Across see John? The no, how did she get out to see oh, John? No, she got furloughs. That's what furloughs are. They let you out. What? For a certain period of time, as long as in, in you're supposed to come back. She got life in prison plus 20 years and got furloughs. This is why... Oh, my God. I swear to God. You didn't catch that before when I said why it was a problem. She was a medium security inmate. She had killed her husband, nearly killed her daughter, and killed possibly killed two other people. Well, I heard they're going to let her go out on on occasion. I didn't hear the like out on occasion. What I heard was medium security. And I was just like, okay, well, this is fucking stupid. Um, just being locked up in a medium security prison is stupid for somebody who is. No, no, no. no. She's classified as a medium security inmate, meaning she got occasional furloughs, which means she got to leave and spend time with John at a hotel close by. Somewhat close by, apparently. She got all the way to Aniston from Wetumpka. So fucking stupid. Like, just so stupid. Like, so stupid. She just never didn't come back. Okay, so well, somebody <laughs> takes somebody else's life, but you know what? We're going to lock them up for the rest of their life, um, sort of. No, not. A little bit, just a little bit, uh, not fully. Um, they can go out and fuck, uh, but we have to trust that they're going to come back. But they will come back because it's, you know, they're low risk, right? Because they've never run away before, right? The fuck? No, she has, actually. It was gone for three years. What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, really? She was gone for... It took you three years to find her, and the only reason you found her was because she was stupid. And... Well, technically, they didn't find her. They found her as her twin. Yeah. Well, as another person's twin. They found her as somebody else. Because everybody else was like, this dude, this is sus. Like, no. There's no death certificate. There's no obituary. What's going on? He's like, I don't know. I love her. And like, not to be crude. Like, not to be crude. But how good is that? That he just stuck around. Like, holy shit. (laughs) I've said that in so many other ways. (laughs) I sincerely hope none of you have kids in the car at this point. Mm -hmm. After, If you've listened to any of our episodes before now. Samantha, you gave me a drink that had three different liquors in it. And I have drank it. I didn't tell you to drink it. In any case, her freedom was short-lived as she developed hypothermia. She was headed towards Blue Mountain, and about one week after she had fled prison, she attempted to enlist the help of a schoolmate named Sue Craft from her childhood to hide her and help her recover. Sue did not recognize her, though, and called 911 when she saw how bad off Marie was. This was about February 26, only about a week later. She attempted to fool the police when they showed up by providing a fake name, Marie Sellers. And the story that her car had broken down and she had walked to Sue's house. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess it depends on how you look at it. She died shortly after from hypothermia caused by exposure to the cold on the way to the hospital in the ambulance. Oh no. She was, she was pronounced dead on site. She was buried alongside Frank, alongside Frank, which I'm surprised because I feel like some family members would have a problem with that on February 28th, 1987 by their children. So the children made that decision and they did visit her in prison while she was there. The short period of time she was there, they did visit her. So it's like the kids were just, I guess, just desperately trying to 
to make amends. I don't know. I don't think it's so weird. Like the whole generational shit is such it's so crazy to see how like different generations deal with things like today. If my mom had been anything like that, I would probably just kick her right into an ocean. Uh, dead body. I sure yeah. as heck wouldn't help her in any way, shape, or form. Actually, I probably wouldn't no, put that effort into it. I'd be visiting. Yeah. So sorry, there's no way in hell I'd bury her next to my dad that I fucking no. love. Fucking Especially love my dad. not when she, not when she got back a guilty verdict for killing him. Yeah. I feel like that's dishonoring your father's memory. Exactly. You're going to put him anyway, next to his you know, that's their decision, and, and I can't dictate how a person heals or decisions that they make, so. Fair. Yeah. Fair. You, you do you, and whatever you need to heal and move on from something, that's on you. But me personally, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, same. Because I wouldn't be able to, because I'd want to go and visit my father, and I wouldn't want to go see my mother. So yeah, same. And that's like, yeah, I would have a big problem with that. Honestly, if it were me, I don't know that I would bury her. I'd probably just cremate her because I wouldn't be able to, I would never want to visit that. Oh no. I've already, you know, maybe they need that for closure. I don't know. I've already told my dad that I'm going to cremate him, even though he wants to be buried in a specific place so that I can take out his ashes when somebody upsets me and I can throw it in their face. (laughs) Bam. Talk to my dad. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, that's not going to happen. I'm going to bury my dad where he asked me to bury him because Obviously. I respect his wishes. Duh. I'm not going to do that for me. She's already decided what she's going to do with my body, but I'm not going to care because I'm not going to be yeah. here. I'm going to cremate you. A little you. rude, but it's fine. I'm going to make you into pancake batter and I'm going to make waffles out of this. Somebody is going to count how many different things you plan on doing. (laughs) (laughs) Mine and yours. (laughs) I don't know how I come up with these ideas. They're great. I love them. Um, On a final note, there is a theory that Marie had somebody that was willing to help her out, not Walter, and they weren't going to Canada. uh, Spoiler alert. But somebody was willing to help her out that I guess wasn't tied to her and they backed out in the last minute, which would explain why she braved the cold and stayed in it for so long developing hypothermia. That's the theory. And I actually kind of, it kind of makes sense. Cause why would you stay out in the cold in Alabama? Let me put it to you this way. Alabama doesn't get that cold too often. So for her to do and but it is in February, which is typical. February is right around the time that we normally get our snows. Um, we get like one or two a year. Uh, so it's just, it is interesting. Like, I kind of feel like that's possible that there really was somebody that she had like made arrangements with and they were, they got second thoughts and they're like, uh, no, you know, she killed the, the previous husband and the other one lived, but who knows? He might've been down that path. I think this might be a bad idea. Yeah. I agree. I 100% actually makes a lot of sense to me. It does. Like some, someone caught on to like her act and stuff like that. And like in Alabama winners are so, wild because it it's so humid you get hypothermia though because it's a wet wet it's cold, so wet so yeah it's it in your lungs it, it it's so much colder and if you've ever lived in a drier area and they're cold and you live in like art like alabama wet cold there is a difference i have visited family in south dakota and it was negative temperatures and i couldn't tell it because it still didn't feel as cold as it feels in alabama when it's Cold, like cold. that damn yeah. cold. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, it's just wild it's so much that. worse to me. Uh, well, good job. 
Also, wait, can we talk about Susie for a minute? She, like, opened that door. She knew exactly who was standing out there. And she was like, no, <laughs> not today, Satan. She, she claimed she didn't shut know that door. Like, yeah, well, anybody in her position would be like, I don't know who that is. Like, I hold myself to a higher standard, girlfriend. She just, like, opened <laughs> I, it and was like. I was just helping mm, her. Nope. Nope. You're so sick. I'll I'll call 911. How about that? Yeah. She was like, I can't deal with this. Like, well, what did Marie do? She walked in and she was like, please help me, but don't call the police and don't call 911. Uh, and Susie was like, if I didn't oh. recognize somebody. I'd be like, <laughs> you know what? This raises some red flags. If, if I hadn't had an argument with my husband this morning, I probably wouldn't have, but you're a bitch. <laughs> And I'm already mad, so I'm gonna call. No, I just whatever. Like, I got into it. She was just like, I, I, no. I think I think it's very unlikely that she didn't recognize her because this I had too. to have been all over the news. Well, that was my like, thought. This was huge. Like this wasn't a small incident. It was, and like, she was from there, so you know everybody in that town was looking at this and following this case. There's no way for sure. And it was a manhunt. It was only a week after she got out of prison you think that wasn't all over the news mm, yeah yeah and a black widow uh yeah yeah you know those headlines <laughs> with this kind of drama going on in between the you fucking tw the twin thing just like <laughs> i i swear i felt like i was reading an like the idea of a season of days of our lives to be honest that is literally what it sounded like to me it's so wild my mom used to that watch so that wild. show when i was growing up and i remember it it was that kind of stuff oh no it wasn't me it was my dun 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 twin brother and then <laughs> and it's just the same like person but they have like <laughs> different colored eyebrows or and then like I don't know, 10, 15 episodes later, you find out, oh my gosh, it's the same person. I just got amnesia. Oh my word. And it's like, what? How many, what? What? How, <laughs> how many people get amnesia? Like what? Everybody in this town. Yeah. I'm telling you. What was it? Uh, days of our lives? Uh, one life to live? No. Uh, General what? Hospital? Was that one of them? I think that was one of them too. Yeah. Uh, there was another one. Perfect. Or, um, Oh, fuck, I can't remember because my sister used to like record them. Like, she, oh no, she did the, no. <laughs> she did the VHSs because, like, yeah, we're from the fucking nineties. So she would put like the VHSs in, and she'd record Days of Our Lives, and she'd record the other one. I think it started with a P. It's not around anymore. But we never. I say we. Because I watched them with her too. Well, sometimes. Normally, I went in the other room and watched The Simpsons. Passions passions she loved passions and so she's gonna text me when she listens to this and she's gonna be like dude why are you airing out all of my soap opera drama? um but like she recorded them every we day we don't have so them. we don't watch soap operas anymore because we just watch quote unquote real reality tv and it's the exact same thing yeah true Let's real honest. housewives listen no uh-uh no i'm not listening <laughs> Done. listen there's i I want to say that I hate Real Housewives because I don't like reality TV. Like, I don't want to like reality TV, but there's something so, like, there's something so, like, intrinsic about, like, Real Housewives. Like, you can't it's just your not guilty watch pleasure. it. That's what it is. But I don't watch it that often. Like, 
I don't know. Is this your justification? Are you justifying it right now? I am. I'm just I don't watch it that often. I only watch it every two weeks and I watch it for like three hours, but it's not a big deal. It's the same. It's the same like argument that I give for like watching Twilight as much as I do. I'm just like, <laughs> like, I don't even like Twilight. I don't. I just watch it a lot. Okay. I don't know. Anyways. I'm, I'm not judging. You do you, boo. Listeners, thanks for being my therapist. <laughs> a lot to unpack, and there was a case in there somewhere. There was. Uh, <laughs> you did a great job. I'm sorry. I told you I had chaotic energy today. It's fine. And it's fine. <laughs> you you brought a great a great episode. Like just wow, fucking wow, the twin thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get over it anytime soon. Uh, did you not notice what the the name of the twin? Oh, it was uh, her daughter-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. She was the same name. Terry, when I saw yeah. it, I was like, oh, come on. Really? Because when you said original? it, I was like, that's the daughter-in-law. And I was like, oh, no, she she doesn't have an original thought in her brain. So no, she just used no. somebody else's name. Oh, She just grabbed thing. that out of the air one day and she was like, oh, man, now I'm stuck with it. Yeah. Okay. She's well, like, that bitch, I had to use her name. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Probably. Uh, anyways, where can our listeners find us on social media? That's Instagram believe, and Facebook. I believe they can find us at Reaper Tells Podcast. What about what about email? You can find us. You can email us. Um, and if your name is Pam and you keep trying to email us to do podcasts, promotional stuff, we don't care. Stop emailing us at ReaperGals at ReaperTales.com. Uh, we're an indie podcast. We're not going to ever do that. So don't, just don't do that. Thanks, but no thanks. Uh, Sam, where can Like, you- rate, yeah. review, subscribe, all of the things on, on whatever listening platform you use, please. That's right. By all means. Or all of them. I mean, you get bonus points if you do all of them. But yeah. at least the one that you actually use. Yeah. Um, and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. We love you. Do you love them? Absolutely. Yeah. Every day. Until next time. Until next time. Love you. Mean it. Bye. The reaper will come for us all.